Hello and welcome back to Basic Bible 101. Those of you that have been keeping up with the podcast, please forgive me for the long absence. It's been very hectic and so I just am now getting back to our next lesson. Last time we left off with Joseph and his family, which were at that point located in the land of Egypt. They had uh, stayed in Egypt because it was a very prosperous area and they were able to live very comfortably because of Joseph's high uh, position within the government there. But over the course of time, Joseph died and his family were hesitant to leave the area because they really were enjoying living in Egypt and it was the easy route. And unfortunately, the Pharaoh that knew Joseph so well and held him in such high esteem uh, passed away and so the new Pharaoh came into power and the new Pharaoh was not nearly as friendly towards the Israelites as Joseph's uh, Pharaoh had been and so over the course of time he decides to enslave the Israelites and very shortly they have no power they become the slaves of the Egyptian people. Uh, It's unfortunate because they had ample opportunity to leave and return to Canaan before this. In fact, one of the promises that Joseph had made his uh, children uh, make to him was that they would return his body to Canaan. And if they had done that, if they had taken him back and buried him in the land of his fathers, they might have stayed there and they might have escaped uh, slavery. But unfortunately, they didn't. They decided to... um, Go the easy route, and this is a good lesson to us that when we have an opportunity to do what we know we should do, even though it's the more difficult route, that's what we should do. And by taking the easy route, uh, it can get us in trouble. And so we see that that's exactly the case with the Israelites. So let's begin today's lesson. If you will turn in your Bible to the very beginning of the book of Exodus, which is the second book in the Old Testament. And we will begin looking at uh, a man named Moses. At the time, because the uh, Israelites were enslaved, and that yet they continued, God continued to prosper them and to take care of them, and they uh, multiplied quickly, so they had lots of children. And because of that, the Pharaoh began to get a little concerned. And so he decided that because there was too many of them, that they would kill um, all the newborn baby boys. And so he set forth an edict that all new baby boys were to be thrown into the Nile River. And he instructed the midwives that as soon as a baby was born and they saw that it was a boy, that they were to immediately make sure that it was um, killed. And and fortunately, the midwives uh, did not follow that order. They would hide the babies and um, help the mothers so that they did not have to kill the children. One of the families that experienced this heartache at the time was a family in the tribe of Levi, uh, and they uh, the the mother was pregnant with her uh, second child, and actually the third child at this point. And when the baby was born, and they discovered that it was a boy, they were immediately concerned because they knew that the child would have to be thrown into the river, and so they hid him and for as long as they could and then when it became obvious that people were going to know that um, the uh, taskmasters of the slaves were going to um, steal their child the mother decided well I'm going to put him into a basket and cover him up with 
a blanket and um, hopefully he will just sail down the river to some safe place. It's interesting that she was following the law as she had to and yet she was definitely hoping that there would be a way around it. Uh, she really would have been endangering her entire family, her other children as well, had she kept this child, this little boy. But she named him, actually she did not name him, she uh, put him into the river and the, uh, told her daughter Miriam to watch the basket as it floated down the river to see what happened to it. And those of you that have seen the movie The Ten Commandments, that's an old one, uh, probably if you're younger you have not taken the time to rent that movie, but you may want to because it will sure sheds, uh, shed some light on a lot of what was going on in the um, at the time. Although I caution you that much of what's in the movie is not accurate, and so you would definitely want to check it out against scripture. Uh, but in chapter 2 of Exodus, we see that this little boy who was put in the river and it floats along is discovered by Pharaoh's own daughter. And she apparently had not been able to have children, and so she sees this little one and decides that she, that's going to be her child. So she takes him out of the river, and he's crying, and she feels sorry for him. And she recognizes that it's a Hebrew baby, and yet she decides to tell everyone, no, this is going to be my baby. And so she instructs one of her servants to go and find the mother, and so um, and that so Moses was able to be cared for really by his own mother within the castle. Or I, well, I don't know if they had a castle, probably within the compound of uh, Pharaoh's household. And so we see that Moses grows up with all the advantages of a prince um, as uh, Pharaoh's daughter is his uh, adopted mother. And before long, he uh, begins to grow in, in statue, stature and in power and uh, has uh, is greatly respected. But... Um, as we see that it doesn't take very mo Moses very long to figure out that his people are in a very bad way. Uh, they are enslaved and treated very poorly. In fact, he sees a t uh, taskmaster beating uh, an Israelite and he really takes issue with it and he uh, beats up and kills the Egyptian. And he thinks that no one's not noticing because he hurries and hides the body, but unfortunately they do notice and when Pharaoh finds out about it, he decides to have Moses killed. But Moses is smart. He runs off into the wilderness and crosses the desert. And as he's crossing the desert, he finally finds a place in Midian and uh, meets uh, seven daughters of a priest of Midian. And um, it's there that he decides, okay, I'm going to live among these shepherds. And um, when uh, eventually he marries one of these daughters, Moses is here for quite a long time, actually for 40 years he is in the wilderness. And if you look in chapter 3, let's just read some of this beginning with uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see the strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here am I. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place 
where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. All right, we see right from the beginning that God introduces himself to Moses in a very miraculous way and definitely gets his attention. And Moses immediately recognizes that God is holy and that he must hide himself from God. I think we all have that tendency when we're faced with a holy God, there's a certain amount of fear. And I think we see that sometimes when we're in a, a situation, uh, a really bad thunderstorm or a dangerous place and we really need God, there is a fear within us that says God is big and he is holy and he is much more than I am. And so there's a tendency to shrink away um, knowing that we are nothing before such a holy God. And yet God calls out to Moses and he encourages him to um, draw near to him. And the bush is one of the ways he does this. So what do you think Moses believed about God at this time? Remember, he had been an Egyptian, raised an Egyptian. And so he had been taught things like there were fly gods and there were the god of the Nile and there was a frog god. So if when God says identifies who he is, look at what God does. He explains it in terms of this is the God that has been the God of your father. We see that God is just uh, comes across as a very personal God and that is exactly true because the more Moses listens to him, he says, here am I, you know, I want to be with you God. There's that, that ind, uh, indication that Moses is drawn to this God and this God is encouraging him to draw near. Uh, in verse 7 it says, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. To me this is a very comforting passage because I think many times we see the world and its brokenness, and we think that God doesn't notice, or if he does notice, he doesn't care. But God makes very clear that he does notice and he does care. And here he decides to send Moses to free the Israelites. The amazing thing is that Moses just cannot believe it. And he sits back and says, oh no, you have the wrong person. In fact, in verse 11, Moses says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this very mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your father has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? This is an interesting passage because God never really does give his name. Instead, he says, I am who I am. And that's what he says here. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. All right. So God says to uh, uh, Moses, uh, the Lord, of the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And uh, go and assemble the, the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of uh, your fathers, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has uh, been done to you in Egypt and I promise to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. Okay, you're probably wondering about all these ites. Um, they are the people that lived in the land of Canaan. They were greatly scattered around and they were the tribesmen who had pretty much uh, moved in when the Israel, when uh, 
uh, Joseph and um, his father Jacob uh, moved out of that that area. Remember, they the Israelites had been in bondage for 400 years, and that was a lot of time for other people to move into that very uh, beautiful area of Canaan. This is the area that God promises to give to the Israelites. But Moses is understandably concerned about taking on this responsibility. So he says to God, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it up by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, Put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses did put his hand into his cloak. And when he took it out, it was leprous. Okay, leprosy isn't a disease that we're very familiar with nowadays. Fortunately, it's had been mostly conquered. However, it was a very debilitating disease. And those of you that may be familiar with the leopard colony that um, was in Hawaii at a time on, uh, I think it's Molokai was the name of the island. Um, it, what they did at one point was just take people who had leprosy and put them far away from everybody else because it was a very contagious disease and there was not a known cure for it. And yet at this point when he pulls out this leprous hand you can imagine that Moses was instantly very very afraid and concerned even more so now what could this God do? He could give me leprosy in an instant. But God tells him to put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he takes it back out again, it's just like new. It's uh, So this is an amazing trick. Um, not really a trick, I guess it's a, a miraculous sign that Moses is to use uh, to show that God really did uh, send him. At this point, you would think that Moses would be gung-ho about the possibility of saving his people and yet once again he says to God I really am not the one to go I've, I've never been eloquent I can't speak very well I'm slow of speech and tongue now we don't know if Moses really had a, some kind of speech impediment or if he just did not like being in the limelight but for whatever the reason he just says no I just can't do it but God says who gave man his mouth who makes him deaf or mute who gives him sight or makes him blind is it not I the Lord now go I will help you speak and will teach you what to say this is an awesome passage and many people have claimed this when God has asked them to do some very big um, assignment and your assignment that God may be calling you to do may be somewhat simple and it may be complicated. Perhaps God is asking you to lead a small group or a Bible study of some sort or uh, take on an even bigger role in um, making a difference in your community or in your world. And because of that, you really do need him to put his words in your mouth. Well, here we see that he promises to do that. And so Moses said, Oh Lord, please somewhat send someone else to do it. Um, if I were God, I would be very disappointed at this point, thinking, well, what more can I say and what more can I do? I've given him every opportunity to follow me and to be seen as a great man in history, and yet he just refuses to do it. And so um, God just will not give up on him. Thankfully, God does not give up on us either.
But God does get angry. Now, I'm a little bit leery of making God angry for any reason, especially this God that can make you your hand leprous in a matter of seconds. And so we see down in chapter 4 and verse 14, Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You will speak to him and put words in his mouth. And I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if you, he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can uh, perform miraculous signs with it. Okay, so God has given Moses one more opportunity. He says, I'm sending your brother to you, and he will help you. What an awesome thing about our God that he understands our weaknesses and our fears and he provides for that. He uh, sends help. And it's one of the awesome things about living in a, a Christian uh, environment in, uh, among other believers is that you have help. You are not in this alone. And I think it's very important that when we are called upon to do a great work, even something that doesn't seem that great, just an important work for God, that there are other brothers and sisters in Christ around us who can draw us uh, to them and help us, and, and we can be an inspiration to them as well. And so for, at this point in the uh, passage, uh, Moses has been pretty much commissioned and said, you're to go. And so he returns to his father-in-law and he says, I've got to go back and see the people in Egypt. And Joseph, or Jethro, his father-in-law, is very understanding and he says, go and I wish you well. So he takes his wife and his children and heads back to Egypt knowing that really he has had the death sentence placed upon him when he left and not knowing for sure what would happen when he returned. Um, but the Lord said, When you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then say to Pharaoh, This is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son, and I told you, let my son go, or he may, so that he may worship me. But you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn son. Okay, this is at the very beginning of Exodus. We see that God has already predisposed Pharaoh to resist letting the Israelites go. And of course, why would he want to let them go? Slavery was a very profitable venture, just as it was in the United States when it was an infant uh, country. And fortunately, and well, rather unfortunately, we had to fight a civil war over it, but were able to overcome this evil. And we see that Pharaoh is not likely to let Moses go easily. Now, the slaves had nothing to fight with. Remember, they were totally conquered. So it was not like they could just take up arms and fight and win a battle. This was going to have to be something that God and only God could do for, for his people. And because he was sending Moses, Moses was giving the people hope and able to say that God was at work. Along the way uh, to Egypt, Moses runs into his brother Aaron and they return and meet with the elders and explain the plan that they will ask Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. And unfortunately, when they actually do come before Pharaoh and they have the encounter that they think is really going to have an impact on 
Pharaoh, he says, you know, I just don't believe that you're going to be able to let those people, uh, that I'm going to let those people go. And so I think since they seem to have so much time on their hands that they will have to build bricks without any straw. Any straw they want to put into the bricks, they can go glean uh, along the fields which is a very big hardship for the Israelites because uh, their job pretty much is building these grand temples and bricks made without any straw in them would not hold together and they would break and so they would be punished for that. So they knew that they had to go and get straw. Um, of course, the, the elders of Israel then began blaming Moses and Aaron for their troubles. And so there's much grumbling. And you can't really blame them because they, you know, life is hard and it's just got harder. However, isn't that just the way it goes when you're put in a position where you need to stand up for God and then you're criticized for it? And that's what happens here. The people criticize uh, Moses and Aaron uh, saying, you know, you just brought us more trouble. Many times when we are required or uh, are called by God to stand up for him, we face more resistance. And sometimes our response is, did you really mean I was supposed to do this? Um, there's a doubt that may cross our, our mind and say, boy, maybe I didn't really hear God. Um, but we're, what we're really saying to God is, will you stick with me when the times get tough? But remember, God is faithful, and of course he sticks with us, and he wouldn't send us to do anything that he wasn't going to be right there with us as we uh, went through it. And so that's what happens here, too. Uh, oftentimes, Moses is referred to as the reluctant leader. Uh, God practically has to push him through this entire experience. And so frequently, Moses wants to give up and questions God's call and tries to talk God out of this idea, but God is determined. He wants to free Israel. All right, we're going to stop here at this point for this um, lesson because uh, it, this is going to take us several weeks to get through the entire story of the deliverance of the Israelites. Um, if you will notice right at the beginning of chapters 6 and 7 that when Moses is actually before Pharaoh, he does show... Uh, use the example of the turning the staff into a snake and showing his leprous hand. Pharaoh was able to call his magicians and they imitate these exact same signs. And so what we see is that Satan is very clever. He can imitate a lot of things about God and people, that's why they are easily persuaded that something may be of God that is not and that's why we need to have a very clear understanding of how God works and um, why it's so important to study his word and see how he's worked in the past so that we can understand when God is actually working and it's not just some false um, satanic force or whatever drawing us away. Alright we're going to stop here today but um, some of the things I want you to get out of the lesson today is that God had a purpose from Moses from his very birth, that he was raised in uh, the very household of Pharaoh for a reason. He learned a lot of leadership principles. He learned the way that Pharaoh thinks. Um, he was very much prepared for the job that was placed ahead of him, and yet he didn't think he was. He didn't think he had the, the words, the ability, um, and he was very afraid to go. He certainly didn't have the nerve. 
I think God refines our faith through wilderness experiences. And so if there's a time in your life when you feel like, boy, you're going 40 years without really seeing any change or anything that God's doing in your life, and it may not be 40 years, it may only be 40 days, but it feels like 40 years. Here we can see that God is always at work. And even at this point, he was preparing Moses, uh, helping him understand the wilderness, because as it turns out, the children of Israel will end up in the wilderness for quite a long time and they will need a leader who is very familiar with the conditions of the desert. Finally, that uh, when God gives us a task that's too great, he will provide the skills and the resources and he will go before us. And so that is an indication here that um, God knows what we're capable of and if we're just willing, he's able to make up the difference. Here he brings alongside Aaron as a very great support. But I think that many times we may face uh, a crisis of faith, um, uncertain about, is God really going to be with me in this? And what God is saying, I will be with you and I will bring you through this. Uh, God is always faithful and we can trust him in that. All right, so next week we will start seeing how God actually does deliver the people. Um, we've seen God's promise in a uh, Exodus 4.12, now go and I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. So Moses has the promise of God and he has the resources that God has provided. And next week we will see how he steps into the role that God created him to fill his whole life. This was the purpose for Moses' life. And it's amazing that Moses was so unwilling to step into it. Um, I think that sometimes we see in our life and think, oh, everything's going fine the way it is. I don't want to rock the boat. And yet the very hardship or the very uh, big task that is before us may be the very defining um, experience in our lives that makes our life worthwhile, that, that is our purpose, uh, is what we were created for. So I want to encourage you to go ahead and read the next several chapters of Exodus uh, for next week, read through chapter 15, and we will go ahead and um, talk about what happened, how the Israelites were actually freed. If you get a chance to rent the movie, The Ten Commandments, from one of the blockbuster or one of the uh, movie houses, then I'd encourage you to try and do that, just because it will put faces to the names that we're talking about. But remember that the movie is not totally accurate, so be sure that you re actually read the account so that you can tell the difference between Hollywood and what God really, um, what really happened at the time. So anyway, thank you so much for your uh, spending some time studying scripture and for uh, being faithful to listen to Basic Bible. And once again, I apologize for not having being very timely with this. Hopefully the people who are starting later will be able to move right through the lessons. But those of you that have stuck with this from the beginning, know that I am doing the best I can to get these out. And we will hopefully be able to finish out uh, the Old Testament with no more disruptions. Thank you. And have a great day.